Are you ready to learn more about promoting play, defending childhood, empowering caregivers? Save 10% on professional development at explorationsearlylearning.com and support the show with the coupon code OOL. Click the link in the show notes to browse upcoming trainings. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Out of Line. I'm Annie Friday, and today I'm joined by Renee. Renee is a mom in Michigan, and she has been on our podcast before. Um, This year, she shared a little bit about her uh, family's step back into conventional education from an unschooling path. But if you are an unschooler, you probably know that sometimes unschooling means using conventional schools. Um, It's all about choice and not coercion and things like that. In our last conversation, Renee and I touched on sleep and the freedom of um, viewing sleep differently than is kind of the standard conventional parenting way of thinking about sleep, which is like, it's something to be controlled and trained into our kids. And um, it can look a little bit different in our world or in lots of other families' worlds. Um, But anyways, hi, Renee. Hi. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, it's so good (laughs) to see you. Will you give us just a brief introduction of who you are again, Renee? Sure. I'm Renee. Like Annie said, I'm a Michigan mom. Um, Started out unschooling um, and I still am unschooling in lifestyle um, with a public school child. Um, So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm a stay-at-home mom about to have our second. So, Yay. Congratulations. And um, Renee worked with us at our learning center, at our Agile Learning Center, um, which is a community-based unschooling space. So, um, yeah, Renee knows all kinds of different ways to unschool and all kinds of different ways to be a family. And I think um, that's the one thing that I keep repeating over and over again when people ask me about unschooling is it's so unique to each family and it's a lifestyle, not just a school choice. So, um, Renee, are you having big feelings with a baby on the way and an elementary school age child and sleep and being like in a different stage of life now with baby number two than you were with baby number one? You know, it's interesting um, because a lot of people, I think, like you said, all families look so different. And I feel like bedtime is one of those things where even in the unschooling world, bedtime can look vastly different because a lot of it is based on families, individual families. And um, I actually feel really confident and comfortable this time around because my son is so independent and he's older. So it almost feels like, I mean, he definitely needs support still with bedtime, but I feel like it's going to be doable. (laughs) I'll just have to figure out when I'm in the trenches how to manage both. But um, because, you know, I have my partner as well, um, you know, we plan to try and tag team and kind of figure out who's going to be with which child when the time comes. So we'll just have to sort it out when it gets here. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you're going and feeling confident. Yeah. Um, Were there surprises that just kind of came with sleep? your with your first child like in in your parenting experience um that's a really good question I think that I don't know if I would say surprises just I guess the knowledge that it's always changing um 
and being supportive with bedtime sleep, I was surprised how many different things we would try, how many times it would change. Um, <clears throat> and I guess I needed a lot of support as a child when with sleep. So my child is a lot like that, um, but it's just, it's different when you're a parent and you you see it from the parent's perspective um, and seeing how much support and, you know, connection bedtime really requires. So I guess that was a surprise to me in a way. Mm. Yeah. I think um, a lot of times when I say, I'm going to talk to somebody about sleep, um, there's an assumption that it's somebody's, we're talking babies, we're talking toddlers maybe. And I think um, you make a good point that like some kids, some people, some humans need support for sleep not just in those early years, but it goes well into childhood and sometimes into adulthood. And um, I mean, how many adults do you know need help sleeping? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I don't like sleeping alone. I know that, but. <laughs> and um, it's funny. I see like cultural shifts come up in kids play. Like just recently we were watching some kids play and um, they were playing like house and it, when it was bedtime, they were all like, okay, take your sleep gummies and go to bed. And I was like, wow, <laughs> like, I thought that was really funny. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah. I, it's interesting. Cause you mentioned like babies and I think that that's probably something a lot of parents realize as their kids get older is that sometimes those needs are still there. They might look different, but you know, I was thinking about bedtime before we were talking. And one of the things really that hasn't changed is that I've been, what I valued the whole time is like making sure he feels that attachment the whole time. And I feel like as a baby, you know, that was my whole focus was learning his sleep cues and making sure I was there when he needed me. And um, which those needs are a lot higher when they're babies, but, um, I've just kind of followed that same idea, but now he's eight and, <laughs> um, but the attachment and the connection is still, I mean, I feel like at bedtime, that's when I connect with him most throughout the day when he wants to talk to me the most. So, mm, yeah, no, we talk about that a lot, like in our house, bedtime is still um and and I don't know I I don't see it ending anytime soon I've a nine and seven year old at home now and I think we see it as a really important time to be there with them and I think for us it's like when you're sitting in the dark and I know some of this came up I recently did um an episode with Suzanne from Mind Body Bedtime a program where that helps families kind of settle into bedtime routines together um Anyways, and I was telling her about how like, it's such an important time for us. Like the lights are low. We're not looking directly at each other. Like pressure is low in general and everybody's kind of winding down and remembering the things that like came up during the day that kind of need some working out still or need some time. Mm -hmm. um, and if you like, you're still paying attention to the sleep cues and basing like the when more off of that and more off of like, time to wind down and not like, okay, it's this strict time that we then shift into bedtime mode. And right. Um, yeah, it is such an important time. I think that's a good point though. Cause I think um, 
that is a clear difference, I think, in the unschooling for a lot of families. Every family is different, but I think it really is different in that it's not like it's eight o'clock. You have to go to bed because that's the rule. <laughs> that's what time it is, no matter what. Um, and honestly, with my son, he ends up falling asleep around the same time every night, mm. not because I'm like, you have to go to bed, it's this time, but his body just gets tired around the same time every night. And when we do those like kind of sleepy routines where we read or we talk, his body naturally just drifts off eventually. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just a really nice, gentle, non-forced, non-coercive way to like feel safe about sleep and just knowing, you know, that that's what's going to happen. And yeah. That's such a nice way of saying it to feel safe about sleep. And that came up with Suzanne too, like talking about the, um, you know, that there is some sadness, there's some worry, there's some fear, like you're, you're going to sleep. Are you going to see these people again? Are you going to wake up to the same life? Are you know, like it's a, um, a whole attachment science piece to it too. Um, that is, is scary. So it needs to be a really safe time. Um, I love that you said you focused on attachment and connection um, and kind of like use that as the center point of your sleep routines. What has, what has worked for you? Anything in particular that you feel like, um, and I guess in the way of also helping your child understand their own sleep cues and sleep needs. Cause I think that can be yeah. like a big question for parents. Like I know when they're tired, but they don't know when they're tired. So I've noticed the last year especially he he has that self-awareness um when he was younger three four five um it was definitely like a teamwork <laughs> kind of thing where you know it was really me kind of learning and recognizing when he was tired and saying like hey do you notice that your eyes are feeling a little heavy or i noticed you've really slowed down do you want to try and lay in bed and read together um now that he's older he'll just come out and say i'm tired i want to go to bed um and so i i'm not so much helping him with that because he's really tuned in to himself um, and i think that that attachment early on kind of helped him develop a self-awareness for knowing when his body is tired. The other thing is, is that um, I feel like every night is kind of different and we have, you know, there's flexibility. So like <laughs> lately um, my child's been getting hungry at like 8.30 or nine at night and he'll come home from school and eat a ton. He'll eat dinner and then he just gets hungry, you know, at a time where a lot of families are probably like, tough, it's time for bed. <laughs> right, right. Um, and Breakfast I'm like, well, in the morning. yeah, you're hungry and you're growing. Let's get you something to eat. We'll find something. Um, and oftentimes, you know, he'll eat and then he's like, okay, I'm ready for bed. Or he'll be working on a project and I'm like, okay, you can finish up or you can read. And um, some nights it's just clear to me and him that he's engaged in something. And I think he's really good at recognizing when his body tells him, okay, I'm, I'm done with this, or I, I don't need to eat anymore. I, I really need to sleep. Mm. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but <laughs> I think that he's, he's just really attuned to himself. And I think that he really on his own will recognize how some nights he just isn't ready for bed mm. yet. 
So, and I, I respect that and I trust that. Um, I think one thing that has been a development and growth for me is that I also have to recognize my needs. And Mm -hmm. that's been a growing process is that his needs for sleep matter. And so do everyone's in the family, but I'm not going to say, well, tough, you've got to do this because we need this. It matters for everyone. Everyone's Mm -hmm. needs matter. So um, there are nights where he's just not ready for sleep. And, you know, I'll read to him for a while and he's just not ready. And I've had to come to say, you know, my body is ready for sleep. You can keep reading, you can keep drawing, but mom's going to go to bed. And if you want, you can stay up or you can come to bed (laughs) too and giving him that option. So, um, yeah, I think that's another level of awareness just for the whole family that some nights I'm ready before he is Yeah, <laughs> and respecting both of those, you know, at the same time. And that both can exist without and both can exist. And so what, how do you do that? Especially when your kid's younger or mm-hmm. on the younger end, um, how do you do that safely? Like I know there are parents out there or parents who maybe are alone in the evenings who want to do that and are like, but I'm, I'm alone and he's going to be alone. So I never really, um, we never really faced that because my kiddo is so attached that every time (laughs) I'm like, I I need to go to bed, you can stay in your bedroom or in the kitchen drawing or wherever he's at, but I'm going to go to my bedroom. If you want, you can come with, he always chooses to come with. (laughs) So he, he, you know, there are some nights where I'm not ready for bed, but there's some things I want to do around the house. And then he's happy to just stay on his own and I can monitor that way. So if there were a younger child, that's probably how I would approach it. Um, And thinking back, that's probably how I did approach it when he was, you know, two, three, four, something like that, where I would just say, okay, mom's going to be out in this room and I'll come check in and see how you're doing Mm -hmm. until his body tells him he's ready for sleep. Yeah. And that's like, that's you setting clear expectations and safe boundaries. I mean, in a way that that still honors that sense of safety that you're trying to create at bedtime um, without like, um, you know, any condescension towards him or any, like, you don't know well enough, or you don't know your own body. Um, I love that. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, um, you know, as far as age goes, I think that you know, families who are wanting to honor both the parents' needs and the child's, I think naturally when the child is younger, they just, at least in my experience, I know every child is different, but they tend to need sleep before the parent does. Um, That was my experience. So I never was in a situation where he was really little and wanting, you know, and needing to be awake when Mm -hmm. I wasn't. So I think in those situations, if there were times like that, I would probably still stay awake, you know, if they're two or three doing something else mm-hmm. until they're ready, just for safety perspective. But um, yeah. For me, it was always on the other end because I am not a morning person and my children are. <laughs> and I was like, well, wait a second. I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. But yeah, That's like it's the same deal. Like you have to it figure is. out how to create a sense of safety and, um, a safe place for your kids. If you need 
more sleep or rest, you know, maybe it's not sleep, but maybe it's rest. Um, yeah. Did you ever try any kind of sleep training or any kind of like, you know, did you ever try to follow mainstream sleep advice, especially, I think there's so much of it when they're infants and toddlers. There is, um, (laughs) no, (laughs) no, I never did. Um, in fact, I, so I breastfed my child until he was over three and he fed to like overnight the whole time was in bed with me. And we actually, I think around the time he was four, we got him a, his own bedroom and bed and would always start him there, but he's always welcome. <laughs> and he always, he's just a very light sleeper. Um, and so he would always wake at various, like sometime throughout the night, whether it was 10 or six in the morning and find his way to our bedroom. Um, and we just always let him, um, just recently I got him a cot to go beside our bed because I'm pregnant and hot and uncomfortable, (laughs) which was another conversation about needs. Yeah. (laughs) You've got some real needs happening. Real needs. And you know, um, it was a conversation like I, I still want to be there for you. Um, and I can reach my arm down and touch you if you wake up or sometimes he'll wake up not fully awake and will need to be comforted. Mm -hmm. Um, not often, but sometimes they'll have like a night, you know, terror or something. And so I can still do that, but it's just, it was another nice way to address that. Um, but yeah, to go back to your question, I never left him. He was always on me in a carrier or next to me feeding or sleeping. Um, and then if he was in his own bed and needed woke and was scared and needed us, which was always every night, he was always welcome, (laughs) you know, to come and join us. So, but I know that every family is different. And I think some families, you know, just don't know all the options and sometimes it's out of necessity or survival. Um, so I'm not, I'm not judging. I know everyone does things differently, but, but yeah, that was kind of where we found ourselves was just being there. And we found that we all slept great when we bed shared or had them nearby. So that's kind of what we did. Mm. Yeah, no, I've been working a lot um, with parents lately and um, sometimes they'll be like, give me the answers. And I'll be like, I don't have the answers, but I can help you find your answers. Right. And that's what it sounds like you're describing. Like you have to find what your needs are, what your values are, you know, like there's so much about family culture um, that goes into every decision and sleep top among them because sleep is so precious. And as a parent, fleeting, especially in those early years. Um, and if you don't figure out what works for you, it can be really dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that there are a lot of different approaches that can be comforting and can foster that attachment that are very different from each other. Mm -hmm. Like, I think you can carry on that support and being there and following their cues when they need you in a lot of different ways. And I think, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's just a journey that every family has to go down and kind of, it's like trial and error, I think, because with sleep, you know, every child, as I will probably soon see, is very different. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I think it's just a matter of, you know, trying things and seeing what works 
in your family culture, like you said, an environment and, you know, maybe some families like don't have to get up in the morning early and then, you know, that means staying up late. It's just, you know, it depends. So. Yeah. And well, and exactly. It depends on so many factors <clears throat> and, <throat> and throughout any one person's life, the sleep habits are going to change and shift. And it could be because of something external. Like sometimes maybe it's, they saw something scary that's then causing new um, sleep anxiety or nightmares or, you know, waking them um, for whatever reason, or if it's something internal, like a hormone shift or a growth spurt or, um, and, and I think that was to me, I just, I don't know. I don't, I guess I didn't think about anything before I became a parent, but I did not think about like sleep and I just thought the baby went to I sleep and either. I went to yeah. sleep and everyone slept. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I didn't really think that, but I just, you know, we did try sleep training for like, I think a night and like a very like rigid form of like, you no, know, but it was like the hot, hot form of sleep training at the time, 10 years ago or whatever. And, uh, yeah, we were like, we lived in one bedroom and our the crib was in the room with us. And I was like, we were sleeping on the sofa bed, torturing ourselves, listening to our baby cry. We were like, we can't do this. <laughs> um, but it took us a while to figure that out. And then also to figure out every time you think you have it figured out, if something shifts or changes. Something and, changes. Yeah. Mm. You know, um, I actually just remembered, I it wouldn't be like, cried out or sleep training he was older but there was one time um <clears throat> when we moved him to his like his new bed in our old house where I was gonna try and have him put himself to sleep I was mm -hmm. like okay you know he's at the age I read a lot of things where you know kids can just go to bed and I'll read him one story or two stories or something then he can put himself to sleep and there was a period I don't maybe three or four months, five months where I was like, let's try this. Maybe he can do it. Um, and it didn't work. And I, <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't like, you have to stay there or anything. And I kind of caved. I was like, this is not working because I would come and check on him. And then we were up, you know, until midnight or 1230 because it just extended. It made him anxious mm -hmm. and it made him like his body unable to rest, you yeah. know, and feel safe. And so that was one time where I did try something different and realized this isn't working for us. <laughs> That's funny. I was going to ask if he's had those moments yet. Cause we've had some, just like a handful of those moments of like, well, I'm going to stay up all night tonight. And I'm like, okay, see, see how that goes for you. And it's, it, it has not yet been in a case where anyone has stayed up all night right? Uh, or like on a sleepover or something. They'll be like, we're staying up until midnight by like, you know, 10 45. They're like, can we please go to bed? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, um, we were watching the super bowl together and, um, my son and husband both love football <laughs> and I was ready for bed. I was really tired and I said, oh, you guys, I don't think I'm going to make it. I don't know if it was halfway through or thereabouts. And you're like, go to bed. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm going to bed. Nice. <laughs> and my son was like, I'm just going to stay up for the whole thing. And I checked in with my husband the next day. I said, well, how was it? You know, and he said, well, he almost made it, but he felt <laughs> two minutes left. Ah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> But yeah, you know, all those big sporting event comes. nights are the nights I wish we lived on the West Coast. 
<laughs> That's what Will always says. <laughs> yeah. He's like, be so much more convenient yeah. with game times and everything. But yeah, I think that that's the cool thing about trusting your child to learn their cues and really giving them the ability to like have that self-awareness. Cause I feel like when a strict time is enforced, just it's almost similar to like strict feeding and different, like just being not allowing the child to learn their body. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're kind of robbing them of the opportunity to learn about themselves Mm. to where you know later on you know they're gonna have to go through that at some point and um I don't know if it would be more difficult but I feel like it's just such a good thing for them to know this is what it feels like when I'm tired Mm -hmm. or you know and and follow that and trust that yeah and sometimes it is just us making those connections for them or you know early on in the process you know it can start at different times for different people if you haven't participated in it sometimes it it starts later but just helping them kind of realize what tired feels like and looks like to them like when you start getting clumsy like that might be like, you're tired like it's hard for some people to realize and make those connections on their own and i think that is a good point because i feel like Sometimes when you talk about unschooling, I think some people who don't know a lot about it might think it's very um, like unhinged and the child, (laughs) I don't know, can stay up all night, you know. Yeah, the kids swinging from the rafters and staying up all night. I think a lot of unschooling and, you know, working at Blue Bridge and being around you guys too has really taught me this um, and enforced it. But reinforced it. I think that so much of unschooling is working together and finding balance for everyone in the community or everyone in your family and um, and uh, working alongside each other to like mm-hmm. work at a goal. Like we all need our sleep and this is when I need sleep. And it's not just, and also learning cues, right? Like working alongside a younger child and being like, well, I notice, you know, you're kind of stumbling a little bit. How is your body feeling? Not just like leaving them on their own and not pointing those things out to them. Like, I feel like there is teaching and guidance in it Mm -hmm. um, that sometimes I feel like people don't under, don't see that necessarily see those relationships and that there is guidance and, but with the guidance, there's trust and, um, trusting the child too, yeah. but helping them at the same time. And trusting them to even make mistakes and learn mm-hmm. on their own yeah. from their own mistakes. Like I think that's hard. Um, that's a hard truth because if you're used to a very sanitized version of childhood where the it's based on compliance and do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it, that it's really hard to see kids in conflict or kids in struggle because you're not used to it. And so sometimes, um, and this is not just exclusive to unschoolers, but families who can let their kids get through that struggle um, or have struggle and counter struggle, like there's just, it's a totally different look. There's so much more to it. But yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a common misperception that the un means like totally hands off and and there is guidance and there is connection and there is teaching um, both ways. It's just assuming that the power hierarchy is is not um, the same. 
Um, so does it come up, I guess, Renee, on like, you know, at school pickup or on the playground with other moms? Do they ask about bedtime routines? And do you feel like you're able to be like, yeah, no, we kind of just do what we want? <laughs> You know, it hasn't come up. (laughs) Um, I have had conversations with my sister. Um, She's 13 months younger than me. um, And she just had her first um, almost a year ago. And she came to me at some point and she said, you know, what does sleep look like? (laughs) And, And so I was honest and I said, well, this is kind of what we've done and what I did when Evan was a baby. And So um, that was a good conversation because with her too, she was learning and they tried, you know, one thing and she wasn't getting any sleep. So Mm -hmm. she's like, what else can I do? And, um, but yeah, no friends, parents have mentioned it. So (laughs) I don't know how I'd approach that topic, but Uh. I think it's just, you know, there's so much growth. And I think that being a parent, it's so much about self-exploration for you and for the child and I know I've grown so much with bed you know trying different bedtime things and sleep and just everything in general it really causes you to stretch and grow and (laughs) try new things so yeah and realize that something doesn't work you can move on like yeah yeah and there will be things (laughs) (laughs) maybe for you Renee everything worked perfectly for me the first time I tried it uh, well, thank you. I love hearing yeah. your take on sleep and your the approach that you use in your house. And um, I am so looking forward to what that looks like in another six months or so. Oh, and yeah. it sounds like you're setting yourselves up for, um, you know, a lot of change and adaptability to come with a growing family. So that's exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited. It'll be fun. And it's been, you know, it'll be eight and a half years <laughs> when the next one's born. So it's kind of like jumping in again because it's been so long. So might have to come to you and say, Annie, (laughs) I'm here for baby holding mama holding whoever needs holding. (laughs) Sounds great. Well, thank you again for talking today, Renee. And I'm sure we'll have you on again soon to talk about something else exciting in your life. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Everybody. Thanks for listening. It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Explorations Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.